How are you doing? Good. Sound good, but I can't see anyone. Recording yet? Uh, yeah. Okay. But don't worry, we can cut it out. Is uh, June there? You might have went for a toilet break. Yeah, I went to a toilet break. You guys are here early, huh? Yeah, we cannot miss it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, let me just. Uh, oh, thank thank you, you, sir. Thank you, sir. Ah, oh, hello. Hello, hello, Hi, Alex. Nice, nice to nice to meet you, June. Nice to meet you as well. Shall, shall we start? All right, hello, barbarians, and welcome to the nineteenth episode of the LLB podcast. Today, we're doing a special with the quiet king of crypto, the correspondent of Bitcoin. Chong Xiang, how are you doing, Chong? Good, alive. Yes, and alive somehow in this crypto bloodbath that we're seeing, right? And then also with us, we have uh, one of your colleagues, yeah. Jun. Yep. So, yes. so uh, I don't know. Why don't you give, guys give yourselves a little, like a very short introduction of how you guys are related to crypto, and then maybe we could start the topics. Sure. Maybe Jun, you want to kick off. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name's Jun. I I actually, to be honest, only got into crypto early last year. So I think as a lot of people probably would, would have shared a similar experience during, you know, the peak and the mania of, you know, the bull run, um, the period where Bitcoin was going up and it hit 69K. Um, so that that's kind of when I really started um, getting into crypto and that's where my interest peaked. Um, obviously, from a monetary and I guess investment perspective, not the best timing, but I think since then I just my my interest in the space and you know just continuously kept continuously kept growing. Um and even today, you know, after all the the fun stuff that crypto has gone through in twenty twenty two, um if you wanna call it that, um still still here. <laughs> still here, still surviving. And holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is and uh, um Definitely the baptism of fire for you. Your first yeah, uh, crash, right? My first major crash, yes. Um, I think it's first sad. crash coupled with, you know, all the sort of nightmares that we've seen in the space with all the industry players. Yeah. yeah. So a bit about sure. myself. Um, Bitcoin since 2012. Um, been holding on to crypto ever since. Um, so right now, I'm lucky enough to be able to focus more on crypto and um, yeah just investing in the space doing some VC work as well at the side just because it's fun um, but yeah it has been crazy I think in terms of if you actually plot the timeline since 2010 um, I think 2021 and 2022 was the craziest um, I think never have I seen um, so many implosions happening back to back. So you're saying this is the like the worst you've seen out of all the cycles. 2012 is pretty much like Genesis, right? This is right. when the first bull run, like the real bull run that got everyone interested in crypto. Mm-hmm. So you've been holding on for a long time right. and you've probably, you, I mean, that means overall you probably haven't lost all your money either. Like some people who've just gone to it very recently, well, I, they've actually lost their life savings. Exactly. Right? So uh, I've been quite lucky. Uh, Personally, I was involved um, in um, one exchange, um, you know, going belly up. 
but I was lucky enough to get like part of my assets out. And, um, mm. you know, that was, I think in 2015. So it's been a long time. Oh, that was the first, yeah. that was like the first bull run of exchanges when right. all around the world, they were getting licenses and people were opening up exchanges, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, but uh, funnily, you know, we, we all had assets in FTX as well. But uh, about three months ago, who's we? Who's we? Uh, like every one of us, you know, everyone who is in the team. Everyone, both of us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three see, months ago, we took it out. You know, it's just uh, three months ago. Yeah, we were very close. Uh, yeah. And and why and why why I met uh, why I actually said it was close because it was about the time when Three uh, AC and um, Luna UST blew up. So apparently there are rumors uh, circling that uh, Alameda Research, which is uh, linked to SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, um, went bust as well, which is why they had to, um, you know, uh, borrow from FTX. So um, yeah, we're kind of glad that, uh, well, FTX kind of didn't go bust then. Yeah. yeah, so we kind of took our money Wait, out okay, okay. Uh, during um, the, uh, the whole fiasco. Yeah. Funnily, we also had money in Celsius, which we removed uh, before Celsius went belly up as well. So Okay, you're going to have to... Okay, we have to... There's, there's a lot to unpack here. So, um, <laughs> all right, so like, well, okay, so the, the main reason why we are talking today, right, is I think ev- everyone's talking about it in the news, FTX, right? FTX blowing up. So mm-hmm. I... Like not for because I'm not completely in the loop like you guys, and it sounds like you guys have some interesting experience with you know avoiding <laughs> the main blow up that we're seeing in the past few days, right? So, um, just to get on the same page, so FTX was probably the fourth largest exchange in the world by volume, I, according I, to CoinGecko. I think the third. Third, third right. yeah. Okay, yeah. So I mean, we're talking like they have substantially built, in effect, a large business a huge printing machine of cash probably because right. it's an exchange right. right it's the the entry point the off-ramp for all fiat into crypto and vice versa right so we're talking substantially a material real business of actual cash right so okay so that so then that, that, then you have your story about three months ago so what exactly is going on here like there seems to be like a chain reaction or are they not linked or like what led up into this moment of ftx blowing up <laughs> well, it's uh, I'm just like trying yeah, to wrap, trying to wrap my really, head around this. It's really crazy, right? So, yeah, I may unpack it, uh, and then June, you know, feel free to to add on sure. that as well. Yep. Um, I think the whole uh drama actually started when uh Luna UST, uh, you know, hit all time highs. Um, I think at one point okay. it had like a market cap of about forty forty billion dollars. Um, that was for the Luna token alone, right? And then they had okay. um, the stable coin called UST as well. And at that time, um, they they were convinced that in order to create a, a more stable stable coin, they had to have some <laughs> assets on the balance sheet, right? So that was where they actually okay, hold on, wait. started. So, Go ahead, yeah. So- can you give some context about Luna Coin? So Luna Coin right. is like, what kind of coin is it? What is it tied to? On what technology? What chain? And right. what like, why was that significant as a, a, a token currency? So essentially, they have their own chain. <laughs> okay, right. It's so Luna is just for Luna. Yeah. So, yeah. so, but it's one of the more prominent 
I guess tokens up there with what Ethereum, Bitcoin at yeah, that back, level, or yeah, back then it was a top ten crypto. So okay, so it was um, top ten coin. Yeah. So it was have. So we're talking like huge amounts of liquidity were put into this coin, on yes. on its on its own chain, right. and it was just being traded on all the exchanges, right? right? And so you're, what you're telling me is that this is the the genesis of this, or part part of like a big part of it, comes into question of what the like people valuing Luna, right? So they were pretty okay. established already. You know, there were questions you know, as to whether or not their um, stable coin would be able to weather uh, the storm, right? And um, I think there yeah. were um, probably, I think there's at least one DPAC event or an almost DPAC event that happened before. Am I right? What's a DPAC event? Um, sorry, yeah. Yes, yes, Sean, I think you are right. I think just to answer Alex's question though, DPEG, so basically what a stable coin is, is there are two types. Oh, One, yeah, DPEG. So essentially it's um, a, a normal, I guess, more common stable coin is one that's, you know, backed one-to-one -one with the US dollar. Yes. So that's okay. um, what you see with like USDT, Tether, um, USDC, um, BUSD. So these are different, I guess, stable coins out there in the market who are supposed to be by right backed one-to-one -one with real life assets. Um, what okay. an al algorithmic stablecoin is, which is what UST was and what kind of uh, Luna operated within, is a stablecoin that was not sort of backed by a fiat currency. So backed by <clears throat> um, the function would be by algorithms. And for Luna's case, it was backed um, partially by Bitcoin um, as well. So a DPEG is essentially just when, you know, the, the stablecoin pairing loses its one-to-one -one parity. Um, so, um, typically you would, ideally you want it to always be redeemable for one, like one-to-one -one ratio, but yeah, DPEG is when, yeah. that, when it loses that essentially, yeah. Right. And was this done on purpose or this was just started happening by supply and dynam dynamics? So there was a lot of, um, there's actually a lot of story behind it, right? But essentially, okay. um, if I were to make it really simple. Um, the Luna stablecoin, which is the UST, is essentially um, backed by the Luna token. And then later part, they actually added Bitcoin into the equation. So every time okay. when there is a DPAG, um, essentially they would sell Luna into the market and buy UST. Okay. okay. Yeah, if I get it, if it, I got it correctly. It's a I bit mean, more it, complex I mean, to it, explain, uh, but essentially yeah. they will try to maintain the pack using their collateral. Their collateral being their meaning, um, Luna coin, like the Luna token, their that actual they have. coin, Luna the tokens, coin. right? Yeah. And, tokens. And in this okay. case, um, after they bought Bitcoin, uh, it it also had Bitcoin as as collateral. In a sense, this was run algor algorithmically too, right? So this was all automated. So it's kind yeah. of like doing open market operations, right. but on the on on right. chain essentially. Right. Yep. Okay, so so essentially what happened was that the value started tanking mm -hmm. with Luna. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. and then why? Well, there was a lot of FUD uh, behind it. And, and usually what happens is that uh, when there is FUD, uh, people will head for the gates. Okay, like a bank run. Like a bank run. Like yeah. no one exactly, no one really knew exactly uh, what started these <laughs> bank runs. Because, you know, prior to this Luna uh, USD bank run, there were a couple uh, algorithmic stable coins that, that experienced the same fade as well so we were not yeah. surprised um in fact we were not invested in luna yeah um so yeah so that thing happened 
And essentially what, what uh, the founder did, you know, the, the team and the founder did was to sell Bitcoin that were in the treasury yeah. to try and stave off um, the dip uh, in, yeah. in UST. Uh, but as we all know, okay. it eventually failed. Um, they helped, they, yeah. they failed to, to, to hold up the pack. Okay. So how is this related to what's happening with FTX? Right. So FTX comes later part. Um, so essentially okay. what happened is that uh, a lot of funds were holding UST. A lot of uh, investors okay. um, like us were holding UST as well because um, they were being promised 20% um, interest per year. Right. Okay. So a lot of people got destroyed, right? But that was yeah. just one part. The second part is that actually Celsius, uh, which is a centralized um, finance application that I think at the peak, they had like 15, I think 15 to 18 billion in, in AUM, um, like assets under management. Um, they okay. also um, had to take a hit, right? Okay. And as a result, they too experienced the bank run. Okay, because this is all tied to all the people holding the assets of UST. It was a combination what is of Celsius Luna, role exactly? Luna and UST. So Celsius is basically so, so, a, a bank. It's a it's a crypto bank. You can it's a crypto bank. Yeah, you can okay. you can like um, put coins there and and um, get interest. Yep. Okay. Okay. So it was like some type of staking feature, right. and yes. then... you can get a loan. You can. Uh... How, how did they promise such high yields though? So that's the thing, right? Uh, I think when they they got to around thirteen billion, um, yeah, in AUM, you know, questions were starting to come up. You know, like how are they able to pay such high interest rates? So their reasoning yeah. was that there was demand. There were traders who needed to borrow to trade, right? Oh my but God. essentially, what they did was. In order to achieve the high, uh, what they call as APY, um, interest uh, that they pay out every uh, every week, I think, um, they yep. essentially had to combine the payout with their own coin, the Celsius coin. Okay. Right. Okay. So everything, when everything starts to tank, you know, just imagine what happens, right? So uh, there was yeah. also a run on Celsius, uh, which, okay. uh, you know, led to a lot of um, I think even in Singapore, there was um, this company called Hodonot, a couple <laughs> others as well. Uh, they had okay. to yeah, close that. Okay, wait. So like, if I'm trying to understand, every, so I'm putting, if I put everything together, essentially what you're telling me is that you're setting the tone of this chain reaction events that set the tone of sentiment right. for the market, right? Right, yes. And essentially, this is just a representation of where fiat has not really truly transferred into on-chain, right? So, like, there's two questions in my mind right now. Is like, you know, do you think that's an accurate statement that we haven't added enough substantial value? Like, technically, there should be no run if you actually believe in this, right? right. And I guess the second part is, like, how much institutional money is actually tied up into this that actually can't pull out as fast, right? Because if there's a run, what is the run? Like, what percentage of institutional versus retail? And then, like, like what's the dynamics of the liquidity of how that's getting, uh, you know, ca caught up, let out or whatever, right? So like, I would imagine if you have like 
a few billion dollars, like it's not easy to probably just liquidate that, right? But say if you're a small guy with a few hundred dollars, you probably could take it out, right? So what, what, like, what is your knowledge on the liquidity behind the scenes of the bank runs? So from, I guess from, from my own understanding is that with, with the bank runs, um, I think majority of a lot of retail definitely got hurt just because with these such high yields um, to retailers like myself, it's, you know, an attractive way to earn additional money. Right. But okay. in terms of with institutions, uh, definitely the, a few got hurt, um, big ones. Um, like I guess in the most recent FTX one, you have Tomasek um, getting hurt. Um, um, back then, um, with the whole Luna and Celsius collapse, I think most notably the hedge fund that got burned was Three Arrows Capital, um, run by Suzu and Kyle Davis. 10, 10 billion so now, AUM. Yep. And funnily, headquartered in Singapore as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a pattern here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not yeah. indicating anything, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you definitely have both on both sides, both institutional and retail side getting burned, right? Um, but from from my perspective, a lot of retailers, I guess it hurts. Obviously, it hurts for these big institutions. But at the end of the day, us retailers, we, a lot of us had a big chunk of, you know, life savings or on these platforms, just in the, with the attractiveness of the yield and the income that they can generate. And at the end of the day, it's, it's harder for, for retailers to, I guess, build that wealth back up, et cetera. So the, the pain and, and damage done to the retail investors um, is definitely visible um, just, you know, with people that I know and, and people just kind of refusing to you know, talk about crypto. I think what's, what's uh, most painful about this experience is this, right? So, um, you know, all these um, new investors, right? So we call them normies. Essentially, um, they are very afraid of risk, right? so they don't want to take risk. Yeah. But lo and behold, you know, you have a product like Luna UST offering twenty percent, and you know, it was marketed as low risk, right? And then you had uh, platforms such as Celsius, and you know, even BlockFi as well, you know, that that are able to pay double digit um, APY. You know, all these are it it introduced a different uh, dynamic into the market because before crypto was always seen as, you know, high risk, high return. So the types of, in the type of investor that would come in, you know, would usually be able to stomach that risk. Right. And now because yeah. you're getting 20% and you think that it's safe and lo and behold, you know, they go down. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's, it's worse, right? Because people I, are not yeah. ready to take that risk. Yep. Well, I, I think that, the, the problem is that it disrepresents a huge portion of liquidity being represented as speculation. Now, speculation in itself is really not a problem because that's an actual feature of the modern day financial institutions and how, how the world actually runs, right? So you actually need speculation to provide a lot of liquidity. But the way I'm like, from what you're telling me, the way I'm understanding it is that there's no like, and that, it's kind of weird. You would think that all the savvy investors coming in would think that you know if if this is truly the best product market fit to disintermediate financial institutions, right? Right. And in a decentralized kind of way, you should have some type of central bank mechanism built into these exchanges or these products. That in a sense that when you do have a bank run, you have some type of decentralized automated mechanism that, like of how a central bank runs now to promise short term loans so that people, like the fiat 
has a place to land, right? There, there's actual trust. People are not going to run to the doors, right? So I don't know. Is there a reason why this has not, this like this infrastructure hasn't been built in yet? Is it just like, or is it just everyone is like on the herd mentality of number go up or like what, like, like what's, what do you guys think? So this is just my take, right? Um, you know, just going back again to platforms such as uh, Celsius, for example, um, you typically would get um, higher APYs if you you got uh, the more exotic coins and not the USD stable coin, for example. Yeah. Right. Um, that That is yeah, often correct. the case. And, and that is also the case for many other staking platforms in DeFi out there. So... You want to get high interest rate and return, you have to already buy these risky coins. And, yeah. and I think that that is caveat number one. Uh, caveat number two is the fact that when you actually uh, spend a digital dollar, for example, right, um, you convert your US dollar into, let's say, a USDC stable coin and you put it into the system, you would have lost control. Because first, yeah. it's not backed. Um, you know, there's no insurance on your deposit, right? And, and so you have all yeah. these risky a- aspects to actually consider. So the moment you convert it into a digital uh, dollar or a digital asset, you essentially have lost control. And you lose further control when you actually deposit it into these exchanges um, that in custody your coins. So I... Yeah. So I think all these people are getting, like you said, they're, they're trying to take up these risky assets because it promises very high returns. Mm-hmm. But like you said, what matters most, though, in this kind of situations would be that if you want to get away from government institutions and financial institutions, you have to take the responsibility yourself to protect it. Right. So how are you guys seeing how can like a retail person actually protect themselves against this then? Like, I don't know, like they have to be as smart and savvy as you to have information to know when to get out. Like that seems like. Not possible for the average guy, right? I think the only way is to store it on a hardware wallet that will be safest. Like even having okay. your money in the, in the exchange, you know, is basically trusting that the exchange uh, will allow you to withdraw, right? Yeah. What if they pause mm. withdrawal um, for yeah. for some weird reason, right? Um, yeah. Basically, there's a saying in this industry: not your keys. Uh, not your money, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, I paraphrased that, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Essentially, not your keys, not your coins. Right? Right. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so let's go back to the story then. Like, I think we could keep going down this rabbit hole right, forever and right, forever. Right. So, so, so let's let's get back to. So it seems like this is so as the, the firms the were months... blowing up, right? As the firms were blowing yeah. up, Alameda got caught in the fray. Alameda Research. The prop trading firm, okay. and, uh, which is so. What is Alameda yeah. Research? So Alameda Research is Sam Bankman Fried's uh, prop trading firm, which he owns. He's he used to be the CEO as well, and at the same time he runs FTX. You know, one of the largest exchanges. So wait, in the it's world. a, it's a, it's an actual prop trading entity. So like right. a hedge fund of sorts. It's it's, it's like a hedge fund, and oh at, the, at the peak they were managing fifteen billion, fifteen billion dollars. There's a lot Jesus. of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he has like two um, companies that he was running at the same time. Correct. Right. And yeah. apparently, and, and this is not confirmed, right? So apparently um, they lost a lot of money. Uh, 
during the the market implosion. Um, that actually so took, the months leading up to yeah, it. Yeah, um, that actually took up. I mean, took down three arrows capital. So this was like back to a few months ago, right? When they had a huge hole yeah. in a bank, and apparently FTX uh, had to lend them money, and and this okay. actually led to what happened um, this week. Yeah. Okay. So but apparently, this was all. This all was uncovered by because of a reporter caught wind of this somehow, or because I when I was trying to read the articles, I didn't understand the relationship between Alameda Research and it was and all FTX. uncovered when the Ponzi fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, so, so the, the whole drama. Yeah. I mean, like June, you you probably yeah. recall it like very vividly, right? Like when CZ said that he was going to yeah. sell FTT. Yeah, yeah. So I think just to go back a little bit to Alex's question, the relationship between mm-hmm. Alameda and FTX is. Sam Bankman Freed. So he co-founded Alameda Research yeah. um, before FTX. Right. And then after a few years, and he then co-founded FTX, um, which is the, the exchange that we saw um, kind of go belly up um, this yeah. past week. Um, so when 388, 3Rs Capital, 3AC collapsed uh, early in the year because of the Luna situation, Alameda right. Research is, is rumored, as Chong said, to was supposed to actually have gone under back then as well. Um, in a similar fashion to 3AC. Um, but FTA, uh, Sam Bankman Freed realized it and then used FTX, which is a, his exchange, which was already super successful back then. So it had enough of assets and money to, to sort of patch up the whole that, you know, the whole Luna crash mm. did to Alameda. Hence why it was able to sort of survive up to, up to this week. Um, so it would have went down, supposedly it would have went down back then. I see. But yeah, got so it, was saved. it was propped up by, by FTX. FTX is fine. Okay, yes. understood. Yeah. Understood. So, I mean, like, so, Mike, how come it's alleged, alleged only? Like, so isn't the whole promise of uh, blockchain technology that there's a public ledger? Like, why can't we see into what exactly happened? Or is, like, is it just too much of a black box? And why would that be the case then? I guess that's a, a hard question, um, but I think this sort of uh, rumor or finding started recently because um, so the way that the way FTX works is they, they also have their own token um, okay. issued by the exchange called FTT. Um, yeah. And essentially the sort of value proposition that FTT has to, to attract buyers is that if you stake it on FTX, stake, it, stake a certain amount on the exchange, you get lower fees, etc. And um, FTX buys back um, FTT with, I think, yeah. 30% of their trading revenues or whatever. So it's sort of like a supposedly a deflationary token and stuff. So when the crash happened, um, I there was actually someone looked at on-chain and actually saw a huge spike in FTT on-chain activity um, tracing back. So that's when, you know, people started digging deeper and looking Mm. into, and then hence the the uncovering of and the start of sort of the rumor that Alameda would have gone down in Q2 um, early in the year. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about the crash. That is the exciting part. part. So what what do you think was the most important part which started the bank run then because like cause so, if so, someone notices this but like if say media never publishes it would it run as much or like is it because the discord communities are so tight-knit 
or like what's the, is it word of mouth or is it media what do you guys think it, it was a tweet it was a tweet it was okay. literally a tweet <laughs> okay but uh, i think, the power I think of it, twitter <laughs> yeah twitter yes uh, but i think the very start was when coin it's a coin desk i think leaked um alameda's balance sheet remember um okay yeah, yeah so alameda's right. balance sheet was leaked and people saw that i forgot how much they had i think it was 15 billion in assets or something and that, that were belonging to to that were on alameda's as alameda's assets on their yeah. balance sheet okay um but then part of that 15 billion was i think if i'm not mistaken 5 billion around there was ftt uh, worth yeah, of assets FTT, yeah. yes which is ftx's own token so token correct essentially your own so the, money yeah 5 billion yeah, it was, it was a that. big red flag yeah it was a yeah big red exactly flag. like like why was this being propped up yeah. yes okay. yes Understood. and i think the others were was made up of like solana and a different solana ecosystem token. there were so I think essentially that, a lot of illiquid tokens out there yeah in as so their you, asset yeah i mean well i think the result of the crash is very clear right it there is something fundamentally and structurally wrong but what, what do you how do you guys feel about the tweet like do you think it's just a ticking time bomb this would have happened one way or another or do you think that it was we the could tweet have just and then the it was bigger? another tweet <laughs> <laughs> We're just validating Elon Musk at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, bad business decisions are made on Twitter, right? <laughs> well, cause, cause, yeah, well, it reflects bad business decisions, I guess, but yeah. So someone tweeted yeah. that they're looking to sell the entire allocation of FTT tokens. Um, yeah. Because, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried was um, apparently... Um, working behind the backs, you know, of the industry. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think then it, it kind of started uh, the downward trend for the for the token price. It, it fell a bit, okay. right? And then the moment it fell to, yeah. I think, around 23, 22, and then the, uh, the CEO, the, the CEO of Alameda Research tweeted back, you know, and said that, okay, uh, we'll buy, we'll want to buy everything, you know, that you have for $22. And then I think that was when... He did this over Twitter. Yeah, this is all over Twitter. Yes. And then, you know, <laughs> the sharks were then, you know, circling. Because when you're at a prop trading shop, you have a lot of enemies, right? I, Yeah, but I, I feel at the same time, like a lot of these crashes and hacks that we've been seeing in the past year, like honestly, it all points just to human... Like human exacerbation, yes. right? Stop or tweeting. like it was, or the root cause <laughs> is a human, right? It's not like inherently the technology. It's like really these people <laughs> fucking it up, right? Is this wrong? Am I am I thinking of this wrong? It seems like it, right? I think everyone thinks that they are God until they are not. <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like when uh, Dokon was uh, deploying billions of dollars trying to save. The, his stable coin thinking that you yeah. know he could fight against the crowd and he failed yeah because there yeah. was so much money you know like coming in and, and shorting the coins and and, yeah. and the same thing happened here right for for the ftt token once the traders smelled blood they started to short and they shorted mm. even more as... wait can can you explain that to me like how how does one execute a short on chain? Not on chain, on the exchanges. I mean, on, on chain, exchanges, I think, okay. Uh, you know, you have So wait, to... there's a mechanism that allows shorting on the exchanges then? Yes. You can short the futures. 
Oh, interesting. That's quite advanced already. And now, you know, you can actually short it uh, using smart contracts as well. That, that is also a growing um, space. This year, actually, started this interesting. year. Interesting. Mainly this year. But, um, you know, the seeds were planted, um, I think, two, three years ago. Uh, you know, such platforms started to appear. Um, so, essentially, you can do a lot of things uh, on-chain. Yeah. Uh, not you don't need to use these centralized exchanges. Correct. It, I mean, one of the silver linings is that, like, there is so much liquidity where it can't be just propped up by single entities. So it has become larger in the sense that it's it's trending towards something that's very substantial. Like at this point, like I don't think like cryptocurrencies are going to go away at all, right? It's just, it is too big. It's just that it's hyper capitalism that it moves so fast where it's bad that there's no mechanisms to slow it down. It's just going to destroy value really quick. But at the same time, it could flip around and right. add value really quick to wherever it's going, it seems, right? Well, I so, think, I think, Another thing to add is that um, I think before the assumption is that, hey, you know what? If I don't buy any coin, you know, I'm not at risk, right? And now, even if you don't buy the coin, but you exchange did own, you know, that coin and then it went to zero, yeah. you're, you're ah. as well. <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're ah. by it just by whoever what invested into those exchanges right and the institutional money on an institutional level right or what, what do you mean so in this case going back to to ftx because a majority a large majority um of the of the assets that are being held you know um are actually illiquid assets and they actually relied a lot on ftt when ftt's mm. price started to tank they essentially could not finance yeah. the business any longer right i see and you know if you had money inside if you deposited money inside if you're a customer it's hard for, for them to pay you back as well well because the the value is all gone already at that point right. right but i guess what what you're saying from a business standpoint there is did you what and you're talking about so people are trying to get the yield off by staking so they couldn't pay those back is that what you're saying um not, that's not man are you talking about uh, FTX or? Yeah. Right. Well, not FTX. Is it FTX? We're talking about FTX and, and, and why. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. And, and why, um, if you are a customer of FTX, you were essentially <laughs> anyways, even though you were not yeah. gambling on the platform. Mm, okay. Because they did the gambling for you, right? <laughs> yes, correct, 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 correct. They had their exposure. So at, at one point, you know, like they, they must have gotten the balls to, to actually say, say to themselves, hey, we have all these deposits, you know, in, in a bank, Correct. not using. Let's just fucking spend it, right? And then let's replace yeah. those assets with our own FTT token, which is, you know, apparently okay. the same value, but you know, the price tank, but, it's, it's the same anymore, right? But it's not like people didn't know this was going on, right? They had hired famous venture capitalists like you know amy Wu from lightspeed ventures they had their own hedge i mean they had their alameda is a hedge fund right i mean somewhat loosely like tied back then but you know i think people uh, thought that what, it was really safe you know especially when ftx was splashing money you know on naming rights and stadiums correct you know, having celebrity yep. endorsements um and it was always seen as a separate entity right alameda had its own ceo uh, ftx as well 
What about corporate governance, right? So, because we're talking about really smart institutional money being on here, like Sequoia and Tiger Capital, right? Tiger Global. So, like, shouldn't there be a disconnect of them doing all these activities with the deposits? Because I mean, this in, in the in, in the fiat world, this is not possible. There's just regulation. Yeah. Right. There's only limits what you can do, right? So, where's this corporate government mechanism, and why did someone not con connect that disconnect? Where, you know, if you take the like the real money and you spread it everywhere else, but you do it on a token that's you know uh, susceptible to liquidity shocks, like what happened? Like, is is this going to be a new thing going forward? You think, or like, or why wasn't it in place to begin with? Jude, you want to take this? I, I, I so I don't know why it wasn't in place, um, but I I think. Going forward, the industry definitely, you know, will learn from all of this and um, which kind of leads us to, to believe that, you know, regulation and some sort of governance framework has to, you know, be implemented for crypto moving forward or else, you know, situations like yeah. this might, you know, continue happening. Um, but um, reading some stuff online, again, unconfirmed, but a lot of people within like FTX employees themselves say and admit that they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And I think only um, SBF's inner circle supposedly only knew what was going on. So yeah. I think a lot of the employees are, were also kept in the dark. And, you know, they, they didn't know any better than any of us outside as well. So the governance framework obviously is in question. Um, but I don't think any any sort of government governance stuff was sort of revealed um, with FTX and, and Aramita. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So what what else do you guys have to say about the crash then? Is there, is there anything we're missing? Um, I think I think we're still. Yeah, I think um, honestly, the full uh, the full like the entire story may not have um, played out yet. It's not uncovered. Yeah. 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 Still going. Yeah. I think okay. it will probably take like another three weeks or more. Can, can you walk? Yeah. Three. Can you walk me through the time the timeline of how Binance was involved? Like at what point <laughs> was their backroom dealings and at what point did they pull out? Because that seems very confusing to me too. So it happened. So So it was Bangkok time for me, right? Obviously. Um So Carola, CEO of Alameda, came out and said that hey, you know, uh, we're gonna buy those tokens from me, twenty two dollars and then um you know, okay. CZ replied and said, uh, yeah, we will accept BNB. So essentially he wanted, them, he wanted them to essentially pay him in his own token. Uh, um, oh, and that was crazy right? because essentially if you want to buy 500, around yeah. $580 million worth of BNB, yeah. that would be pushing up the price of the BNB token as well, right? Correct. And it would yes, be very yes. painful to do so, right? Like they probably need much yeah. more than five hundred and eighty million dollars yeah. to do so. And and then apparently um I think it went silent after that, right, Julie? And then the next yeah. day when I saw that it tanked below twenty two dollars, um yeah, the market went crazy and then it started to tank even further. And then I think mm. um by late afternoon or evening, um you know, there were already rumors circling that, you know what, they they are fucked and, you know, they're looking to raise money. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I think when that came out, um, 
news came out and said Binance signed a non-binding LOI to acquire FTX. Um, when it okay, was so the very next day, the very next day, non-binding LOI. The very next day, non-binding LOI came out saying Binance will be looking to acquire FTX. Um, uh, so, so obviously, okay, so they they moved they moved in as the price was tanking. I see. Yes, or oh, I think it was. I think STX already had announced that they had an issue, right? Um, yeah, I think they had announced that the liquidity issues. That's when Binance this this news came out. Um, so obviously that when that came out, a lot of the market started feeling, you know, oh maybe there is some sort of hope. Um, but then people started doing a bit of digging and found out that you know, the hole that Binance would have to patch financially would, would have been around eight nine billion US dollars. So I think when mm-hmm. that figure sort of came out, um, I think a few people, um, I think we also kind of discussed it, um, myself and Chong, our team, that, you know, financially $8 billion, it's not small. So what sort of, finan- from a financial and I guess business perspective, what sort of incentive does um, Binance have in, in, you know, doing and pursuing this, this acquisition? Um, and it could have been, even been the case that they do more duty and find out that the holes even bigger or even larger um, mm. than eight billion at that time. So we we, we kind of sorry. Yes, I was just curious. What does the eight billion cover exactly? Um, what, supposedly, what what is supposed to to provide enough liquidity for depositors to remove their funds? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's redemptions essentially. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when that came out, um, people started discussing you know around the possibilities of an acquisition actually going through. Then I think was it a, the day the next day or I can't remember the exact duration, but it came out that you know finance wasn't going ahead with the acquisition. Yeah, the next day, actually, yeah, yeah. So it was very uh, short-lived hope. What is your opinion on why they pulled out? Uh, I think I'll share my side just quickly. A um, couple of reasons. One, I guess financially, it's a huge amount. Um, I mean, there's no denying that. But also, I think there would also have been a lot of sort of regulation and regulatory slots towards CZ1. I, I'm not sure if some but, sort of anti-competition rule or anti-monopoly rule would be in place. Um, my understanding of FTX, though, it was one of the exchanges that skirted regulation and on purpose too, right? So it, it was not under any regulation at all, right? Is, is Binance under some type of regulation in different markets or...? It depends. The, market they are. Yeah, they have licenses in like different countries and different regions. Okay, so it depends. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so for for Binance side, there actually might be an issue, but like, because if if FTX wasn't regulated, it, sh- it shouldn't matter for them if they were to acquire or do anything, right? Because technically, I mean, I don't know how could a, could a regula- regulator step in and shut down FTX in the U.S. In the U.S., they could. Yeah, because they have a FTX US, which is a the, the US entity of FTX. Yes. In the okay. US. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Okay, then can you also put into context why you would say eight billion is large? Like, I'd, like what, like, like what is the revenues of Binance, or what is the volume they do, or like how substantial is like you know their their business for you to say that eight billion is big? So let's just into context, right? Um, just yeah. have some notes here as well. So FTX. Um, one billion in revenue in 2021. Okay. Correct. That was on the news. Yeah. So I mean, eight billion. How many years would you need to actually get it back? And 
<clears throat> that's the first point, right? And and it's also important to note they did one billion revenue um, at the peak of the market as well uh, when when yeah. when people were going crazy, right? So crazy, at yeah. a peak, yeah. meaning that. Uh, just imagine they were doing around twenty-one billion dollars in trading volume in a day. Okay, yeah. So okay. that was back in twenty twenty-one, and I think yeah. you know you have other things to be concerned about, right? Like, I think if you got burned in an exchange, you're never going back. Right? So they would have lost <laughs> probably, most of their customers, probably. anyways, right? Yeah. And and now That's, you know there are rumors yeah, okay. again, again rumors, not confirmed, circulating. Uh, that essentially most of the volume is coming from Alameda Research anyways. <laughs> right? Oh my God. So if Alameda Research... Okay, rumors, rumors. You know, um, it's gone, then do you think they would be able to get, you know, that revenue levels again? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think they can ever get so, to, to, to that revenue level again. Oh, well, not in the short term, maybe not in the medium term, right? We're going through some weird cycles and it's, yeah. it's you know, the promise of, you know, cryptocurrency is not living up to the fact that it's that it's uncorrelated. It's highly correlated. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that. But I mean, if if it's long term, though. Right. So I don't know. Chong, what is your take of why they, why they pulled out? I think they were just trying to buy time. Look under the hood. OK. OK. You know. So you, because I don't know, but I think they they also wanted to help, you know, SBF. Um, even though they were frenemies, but they wanted to help him, you know, by correct. buying time. Because essentially, what happened yeah. was that uh, when they were under this, uh, after they signed the LOI, you know, there was a, a period of silence, and what we yep. noticed was that on chain there were a lot more transactions going on, so. A lot of money being moved around as well and there was like a lot of speculation as well you know like movement mm. uh, in fact i think um, after the announcement of the of the agreement the loi being signed um you know dd token spy bitcoin even back above 20k mm. so i'm sure a lot of money was made there as well right i'm not sure by yeah. i'm sure by both sides as well um yeah and i think latest is that Apparently, the, the amount of money that's being requested from investors to patch the hole is apparently becoming smaller and smaller. Oh, right? so it was eight billion before, and then you know, people were throwing numbers like, "Oh, it's only four billion right now," and so yeah, I think yeah. something has happened during that period, you know, but we yeah. don't know what. For sure, someone made money, you know, off the news. Well, it so, so none of you are, are pretty cynical about this, which just sounds interesting because to me, like if there's a barrier for them to actually put a merger through, so like, you know, you know, you know, never mind the business fundamentals, if it's going to be a bad ROA, I think long-term, if you can acquire more volume in the long-term, that's great. That's going to be good for your business overall, right? Just getting more people onto your platform. Uh, I'm sure like at this stage, if you're not going, yes. uh, you know, out of early adopters to mainstream, you probably want to get as many users as you want, right? Uh, but say say if that's not actually possible, like the cynic in me says, why did it sounds like he just kind of did it on purpose then, 
right? Just kind of wave something in and pull it last minute to actually stab it and kill it, right? Because you said, like you said, they're frenemies. They are competing exchanges. So is is there any credence to them like wanting to put it into putting them to the ground? So they because if it doesn't make business sense, then that, why not just kill it then, right? So I don't know. Do you think that's too much of a reach? I don't think he wants to be uh, perceived as a as the person who killed FTX, right? Well, it seems it seems that his propaganda is working because none of you guys think it's true. So, <laughs> <laughs> good job, yeah, CZ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know what is the sentiment on the what what does the Twitter say? Yeah. Uh... I, what I've seen on Twitter is there's kind of two sides. One side is, you know, for CZ. I mean, because if FTX going down, obviously impacts the crypto industry as a whole, including finance. Um, right. You know, yeah. customer confidence and stuff. So it does, you know, it would negatively impact finance and their business as well. Yeah, um, sure. But at the same time, it's, yeah. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it's one of, I guess, a, a major competitor also. You know they're out of the picture now at this point, yeah. um, and that's obviously a win for Binance. But yeah, there's, there's, I don't, I don't know. There, there's, there's some people saying that like, you know, you know, he doesn't want to be the evil guy and stuff. But you know, obviously, no one sort of knows the true intentions and all that. I think we that's will true. never know. Oh, you know, that that is actually not important too, right? Like, I don't care if SBF In the long or, run. Yeah. or CZ takes the lead. You know, I don't care if, if one of them goes bust. <laughs> um, what Spoken I like care is trader. what happens to the crypto market after, right? Okay, okay. So before before we go there, let, we'll, we'll talk about what, what this means for the market, right? But realistically, how, you know, are people? Like, I was, I was hearing, like, in the Momentum Works chat, you know, it was... It was Things are going off the chain and people are saying people in U.S. can take money out within a few days, but then anyone abroad is screwed. Like what? Like, right. Like how bad is it for the people involved in this? I think I think there's like varying reports. Some people are able to pull money out, like if they're in the okay. Bahamas as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what FTX so is. Just so shady, guys. My God. <laughs> Oh, there was like um, news that I mean on on crypto Twitter again uh, that came out earlier. This um, apparently um, undoxed character on on Twitter, um, so no one knows who he or she is. But he was he or she was actually uh, buying up FTX accounts from people for a dollar, like oh, for, wow. for cents on a dollar, basically. Wow, and then. Uh, in order to remove the money, uh, issued like a couple of NFTs and use those funds in FTX <laughs> to buy those NFTs, and then and is able to cash oh, out as a seller. From uh, okay, so apparently cashed That's out like uh, oh like twenty between twenty and fifty million dollars. I'm not sure what the real figure is. Damn, pretty smart. crazy, right? I mean, it I happened just admit. before the call. That is crazy. <laughs> oh, that's pretty wild. Um, yeah. Okay, so then what what does this mean, guys? Like, where where are we now? Well, my is assumption this, is that like, not this... many people in Asia are using FTX anyways. But then I think I you might think so? be wrong They're... because they do have a, quite a huge presence in Japan. Um, ah, okay. They did acquire, um, you know, quite, a, I think, one or two exchanges in Japan as well. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It, it seems to me like, 
from what you're talking about from the few months before to now, this is your you're just describing systemic risk, right? Right. So inherently, like in theory, this technically shouldn't be over if everything's are linked. Or do you think the hammer stops here with FTX and then uh, no, there's no more exposure beyond to the larger? There's only two more exchanges bigger than them than FTX, right? So are are we done here, or or does this continue? Is this going to be more bubbles, or what do you guys think? I think the the contagion, I guess, domino effect from the FTX, while it's still not fully hasn't been fully revealed um i mean day by day we have different firms admitting that they took a hit um they just recently today was BlockFi, um which is another okay. platform similar to celsius or a crypto bank okay. in a way but funny enough two days ago they tweeted um that they're safe they have no exposure and then today <laughs> today the news came out that everyone's just lying to themselves huh <laughs> So, well, yeah. the, the other interesting thing is it's just not it's just not even the systemic risk within the crypto world. A lot of instant for number, I was reading articles on FTX and we're talking hedge funds are were up up before the crash. We're trying to do deals, right, or getting money from them like Skybridge with Scarmucci, and it it just seems like there's a lot of sharks, and it, it seems that 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 goes back to real LPs to real fiat. Those yep. guys affect what happens especially if we keep going into recession that there's gonna be a lot less liquidity in the market so and that in turn probably means less money getting pumped into crypto less craze do you guys think this is true or is it not related the i think the one said that um we would have to see where the uh threat is going first uh, meeting the traditional markets and Mm -hmm. uh you know people will be i think this week the yes. um, CPI numbers coming in lower than expected, um, and you know the next um, you, Fed rate hike as well. Um, you think that's going to stop the Fed? Possible. <laughs> I mean, people are <laughs> bullish, right? If you look at the uh, at at Hang Seng Index, for example, right, it has been being on a yeah stocks are ticking up, being yep. on a roar. Yeah, so. But- I mean, I think the only sad part is maybe crypto might get left out, right? But... Well, isn't that a good? So the silver lining isn't that a great thing? Like it, a lot of shit gets pushed out. Uh, for you guys, like, what are you guys primarily trading or are you guys investing at this point? Trading. Okay, I'm not. Um, I don't think. Well, sometimes either you take positions, right? You know, in, in exciting <laughs> times like this, that's trading. Um, yeah, volatility, hand, right? Yeah, your I mean, like get itchy. Look, it's. As we are talking, you know, Bitcoin is down again. So it looks like a yum 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 S- night. As we're talking, <laughs> SPF just resigned as CEO. SPF just resigned as CEO of SPF. Oh, he's just dead. Oh, really? Like a minute just ago? Just now? Yeah, like just. Oh, nice. Ten minutes right, ago. You heard yeah. it. You're hearing it now, guys. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, the investors demand that he resigns. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm surprised they even care. Like Sequoia marked their book down to zero on this investment, right? So, yeah, I think in terms of sentiment, we have not bottomed, but in terms of the market, we may have found a temporary bottom. You think so? Interesting. Sentiment is has bottomed. So, moving forward, correct, correct, correct. Whichever company that has, you know, received money or you know, waiting for financing from let's say Alameda and FTX. Um, yeah. You know, they would be fucked. 
and then yeah. essentially lenders they'll be fucked as well right and and slowly they're coming out i think it will take a good couple of weeks for us to find out who but i think the risk is limited right because every time the market goes down is because retail investors get hurt. yeah right no one cares about all these private lenders like they are rich anyways right <laughs> yeah ontario teaches uh, fund yeah, fun. who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? The people who need to retire in Canada <laughs> care, dude. Who cares? They're not going to get their paycheck next month. <laughs> no, but the market doesn't care. I don't, I don't know the because allocation. Because they are seen as smart yeah, money just... anyways, right? And they have billions yeah, more I mean, in the bank. Yeah, I mean, but to, people, to be like, fair... You know, our friends, you know, who have like a couple hundred dollars or a couple thousand dollars, uh, which they have yeah. saved up over the years. You know, now they have lost everything. I think that's really sad because for them to start again, you know, for them to even get into crypto in the first place was hard. And so for them to come back in again, it will take some time for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if 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 they're putting substantial amounts of their savings, but say like if you're a middle class person making sixty to hundred thousand dollars a year, putting a few thousand in again is not going to be too bad for the middle class person, right? But I mean, if you're telling me like 90% of it are people can't afford to do this, yeah, they're probably not coming back for a while. But I mean, like they weren't really in the game to begin with, if you know what I mean, right? There's this, Twitter account, get white. there's this Twitter account called Coin Fashions where people actually send in their deepest, darkest secrets about crypto. <laughs> Man, it's, okay. it's really sad to actually read. So some of these stories, oh, geez. it's like, as well yeah. about the wife, um, like investing the entire, family's net worth in crypto and now that it's gone oh, she didn't tell the husband oh and God. apparently the husband like mentioned in, in one of those days that oh i think it's time for us to retire oh my God. but he didn't know that the entire nest egg is gone uh, that's so fucked up right well that's the whole more yeah i mean so like I, that's the thing though i part of my mind thinks that this is not too different from a regular fiat like kind of problem you know liquidity shock to the market or what like like we've had bubbles in the past and if every single stock crash right we're t you hear those stories too like people were just fully exposed to stocks in like the 90s bubbles 87 in the early 1900s there were there were also financial crashes right so it just it sounds like in a way by and large this is has been some type of bubble right do you guys agree that this is a bubble? And if, if it is a bubble, what do you guys think like, is the I main don't, cause of it? I don't really think that the crypto market is in a bubble. Um, I would have if you know, it was back to six months ago when the market was like, I don't know, around uh, the market cap of uh, $3 trillion. Today, it's like $1 trillion. So I think there was a That's, yeah. correction already. And, you know, we were all ready to, to, to go to the moon again, right? And then this thing yeah. happened. <laughs> but again, it happened It that... happened on during on the day of the red moon, you know? So some people are saying that, oh. hey. <laughs> the Asian traders. <laughs> I don't know if you, if you, I mean... if you read the stars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Going to ask my uh, feng shui master later about that. Um, do, do you guys think this is a facet or feature or it's part of the zeitgeist of our generation looking for alternatives like society's at a place in time where it's not delivering a lot of the promises that the old generation set up and therefore that there's this huge appeal to crypto of something different and a different promise even though it's like kind of misaligned at this point 
Do you think that the reason why they're like this next generation is looking for something like this? I don't know. What do you think? You should ask, Maybe for June, you should ask us, that, right? that generation. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the young guy. All right, June, June, please take that question. What what does your peoples say? Um so for me, yes, short answer, yes. Um that's how I view it personally. And that's I think partially the a bit of the push to why I got I got into the space. I saw, you know, how early we were and you know, you have people saying like, Oh, this is like the internet in the two thousand in two thousand eight and stuff like that. Or not 2008, sorry, but there's like the internet back in the day. Um, so I, I kind of hopped on to that a bit when I first joined um, getting involved in crypto and stuff. And I do sort of believe that. Um, and I think a lot of people around me, my circle, my friends, they have similar um, sentiments and, and thoughts towards that. But at the same time, they are very wary of the risk. Um, and a lot of them are not super comfortable um, with taking that risk um, just because they are unfamiliar with the space. So, you know, um, if you have yeah. to make a, a swap on using DeFi and, you know, MetaMask and stuff like that, not via, via an exchange, then it just gets a bit complicated um, if you're someone who... Man, even know, the process of, casual. like, putting your credit card in, you know, like, they, they might worry that the credit <laughs> card is getting hacked. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, to answer to answer the question to come to the question though I think yes um, I don't know how many many people feel that way but I I do personally come across people who share the same sentiment as me and seeing it as you know mm. a new asset class a new way to mm. you know build up wealth of going forward just because we we kind of missed the not missed but didn't have this opportunity with equities and stuff um, as as people did back in the day. So what you you actually think that opportunity is limited or doesn't exist now in equities for your generation? Um, it definitely does. I mean, the market's also yeah. Yeah, it Go does. Ahead. But crypto offers a sort of higher mm. reward potential. So as the saying goes, you know, high risk, high reward. And I think it really yeah. does apply um, in this case. I think in in, yeah. in the Malaysian context, right? Um, the stock market has been dead for more than ten years. You know, the last time I traded on Bursa was, um, I don't know, 2010 or something, 2011. So the Malaysian stock That's market, more... right? It's been, yeah. it's been like really long. And, you know, there, yeah. there's usually no activity at all. And everyone is mm. like, you know, still hoping for some saints or white knight to come into some company and, and pop the stock price. You know, like this is still the mindset of, of people who are investing in, in, in the Malaysian stock market. And and they're, yeah. they're still talking about PE ratio, um, <laughs> like, hey, but why is it not going up? So, <laughs> I I don't blame the the younger generation for wanting to be in crypto, I see, right? I, I mean, it's more yeah. exciting. You trade twenty four seven, three sixty five, every ah! fucking day. You can trade. Yeah, I see what you mean. And, and you, you don't can, need well, and you get to be different. part of a community as well, right? That's true. That you know, that's that's a very interesting point because I think that's one feature mm. that's kind of missing. Where Wall Street's kind of an, uh, an exclusive club of a like. That's how you get onto the elite ladder. It's why back in our day, everyone wanted to go to investment banks or trade, right? But now it's like in a decentralized way, anyone can be part about it, and it fractures off into different theses or you know ways people want to get exposure into communities. And I think that's a big problem with the current generation is that people kind of feel lost in that kind of respect they don't know what communities they belong to and in a sense you could tie that back that being a part of a crypto community is is kind of like that which is the whole thing with the 
Wall Street bets and that kind of stuff, Stupid. right? It's it's community, it's identity. It's right? fun. So that, that's definitely part of it. <laughs> it's a it's an interesting point, yeah. But I mean, the, about Malaysia's stock market, so that's more a reflection of that economy specifically. I think if you look, for example, like at Bangkok capital markets, it's way more robust and deeper liquidity. I mean, eventually, like Indonesia, but just by its size, has to get there. It's going to be dynamic in itself, right? Um, but I mean, of course, it's still still not there. So I mean, I think the opportunities do exist. But you're right; it's it's faster, it's more efficient. Yeah, twenty four seven. I think also just, the, the the dissemination of information, right? Like you don't hear about mm-hmm. companies going out there and marketing themselves. I mean, like public listed yeah. companies, right? Um, yeah, maybe because they can't, <laughs> <laughs> and Dogecoin can, right? So yeah, correct. That's the difference. Yeah. You see all these coins well, I, I, on TikTok, I, on 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 Twitter, yeah. you know, like twenty four seven. I mean, to me though, at some point in time, there has to be a convergence of real regulation intersecting with. It's just going to get too big. We're talking like three trillion. This is really, it literally is a substantial asset class, even at one trillion. Like that, like that's going to have real systemic effects if that just like, evaporates, right? So, right. if if it keeps growing and there is more adoption and usage and. To me, the biggest pieces that are missing is, you know, infrastructure, right? So that's the actual like software infrastructure, but also hardware infrastructure, energy wise too, right? right? So all these kind of things need to catch up and then the diffusion on on like we're at the point where you need to build infrastructure, then you have the application layer, right? So right. and we're we're trying to skip ahead. Money's like there's to me the root of all this was there's just too much liquidity in the market from QE. I don't know the exact links, but it ties to, you know, being an institutional player, you know, and then having all these, you know, taking money onto your balance sheets and assets inflating. You don't know what to do with the money. squeezes down into, you know, hedge funds and VCs and those guys then pump up the markets and it's this whole big cycle, right? So, um, but I I do think that, you know, long-term fundamentally, there's still something there. I I think you guys are too. I mean, with, with that sentiment in mind though, what opportunities are you looking for in the next going into the new year then for the next few quarters um, so actually preparing a, a report uh, we nice. have no name for the report yet but it's going to be quite a bit to write about we were just thinking hey yeah. you know what it's time to close the year and then boom you know we have this drama happening so i guess we'll be writing about that as well <laughs> um but for sure for yeah sure. i think we want to look more into the future um like what i yeah. uh said earlier i think Sentiment is, sentiments have not bottomed yet, um, but the price may have found a temporary bottom for now. Uh, okay. But, you know, this thing can change anytime. Uh, no, we're going to manifest it. Don't worry. It's going to happen. Manifest. Let's do it. So, um, I think two important spaces that uh, we have always looked into. Um, has always been uh, GameFi and DeFi. Okay. Yeah. So so games yeah, on free platforms. You know, we we always found that really interesting. And to be fair, uh, I think starting the middle of this year, a lot of companies have actually started to invest. You know, into uh, free gaming companies, and and we see better and better games coming. I think before the complaint was was like. Hey, you know, like, why are all these games, you know, so shitty to play? Um, you know, you just click no. repeatedly and then you make money, right? I foresee, you know, like as a team, we, we foresee that, you know, the games are getting better. You know, we have uh, 
gotten the chance to actually demo some of these games as well. So um, very exciting. You know, some of these games, I think, in terms of the quality, is as good as PUBG. Mm. So I think I think twenty twenty three could be a big year for 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 GameFi for games mm-hmm. for games. Uh, so I try, try, I'll try not to go too long in attention so we could wrap up soon. But right. are so when you're looking at these kind of game deals, are you do you do you need to have a white paper associated to it to see the clarity of thought and the actual real use cases, or are you just looking at the games itself? Because I've come across some of these deals myself yeah. and. A lot of these things just seem like people are chasing the trends. So whenever I ask for a white paper, they don't have anything. They don't. They don't. And like, so because are no, you still... because no one no one follows their white paper anyways. Like they can promise that you know they're gonna do certain things, but they usually don't. But because those aren't like real white papers, right? Like if you look at like like I don't know how Axie Infinity is doing now, but like it had a real substantial actual paper with actual real economic value tied to it. Right. And if you look at the background of the founders, he was a Yale who did his paper on, you know, history of economics on the founding fathers mm-hmm. and how it related, right? So like there was actually some actual thought of how like some vision where it could technology can transform into something, right? Mm-hmm. So does that stop you or do you think it actually doesn't matter that you could just build a game that's addictive and then figure it out later? Um I think, I mean, the white paper definitely, it does play a role when we, when we look at and evaluate projects. But if we're looking at a game, I think one thing that I would quite, uh, place quite an emphasis on is the actual game, gameplay itself. And, you know, the, the ability to sort of attract the community, one, and two, keep the community in that ecosystem. Um, and it's hard to do that if you don't have a, you know, fundamentally fun, an enjoyable game yeah. in the first place because you know after six months or so people will yeah. start leaving and finding the next you, thing yeah but you see the danger of this is that when they get scale you're walk you're trying to walk backwards into a niche or a product market fit to smash it into crypto to get a higher valuation right and like i think that's where you're going to run into trouble at scale so as you get this really good game you could raise on it but then fundamentally like what have you solved and it's going to be very expensive and I, I, we've seen this game on repeat, not in the, the you know, just the overall tech scene in Southeast Asia, right? And what I would say is that, you know, you would want something of more substance, I think. You know, you, you kind of want the technology to be very meaningful. And I don't know, that's just like my, my take on it. So, but, but who knows? You know, maybe you're right. Maybe it doesn't matter because like, worst case, don't put it on a chain. You have a really good game, just do it the traditional way then. So, <laughs> right? So that, that's the other way to look at it, I guess. So yeah, I mean, it's it's fundamentally not wrong. And then I guess later on, you can just... I think no one knows, way. right? So you should buy yeah. and you should invest in, in every game that you think could work. <laughs> because, you know... Are, are you making the next bubble jump? <laughs> I mean, let's let's um, go back to the fundamentals of investing in gaming companies. Good, right? So I, I, I came yeah. from a gaming company as well. Although not so well-known, but well-known here in Bangkok. Um, yeah. I think launching games is always a hit and miss. And you, and you usually yeah. have to put a lot of marketing dollars towards uh, promoting it, yeah. right? And, and so uh, yeah, even if you get like, I don't know, 100,000 users to begin with, um, the question is how do you keep them? Because these guys are fluid, yeah. right? They, they come and they go. Yeah. They may have installed your app, your game. They may have signed up for it. But if they don't turn up and play, you're not going to make your revenue. Yeah, right? true. So, um, yeah, I think it's a lot so of I, hit I, and miss. 
by by right by your thesis of what you're telling me wouldn't like some of the biggest gaming companies should be taking advantage of this then if they could find a way to have their games at scale like say Garena right right uh, C group if they could find a way to employ blockchain on their more popular games why shouldn't like in theory if what you're saying is right they should take up that opportunity unless they're not unless we're missing something right or they're they don't know how to do the technology I think in time, like this, but it seems like I think in yeah. time and the reasons because I think we are still getting off the the Kool Aid right? everyone is drunk on the Kool Aid for um, you know the the pay to earn model so to speak yeah you know yeah. like if you play a web three game you have to make money you know you have so many of these projects you know that that gain notoriety uh, during the the, the last uh, cycle. So yeah, that has to wane off first in order for people, the real gamers to come and play because they love the game. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think part of what you're telling me is actually is true. Like if I think about old RPG games I played in my youth in high school, they were not tied to real fiat in any way, but those items in game actually hold value. It's actually used as currency. Now, if you give someone an off ramp, and I think, you know, the, with Diablo, they have tried this. They actually tried trying like a real auction house, but apparently I don't know exactly what happened. The, the mechanics like blew up and it just like ruined the economy. So they had to get rid of it. So I think that's actually, if you, it's something interesting to do as a business case study, probably if you look at Diablo, I think it was Diablo 3 when it first came out, it, like you could actually buy gold, but then uh, apparently that there was like, maybe it was too inflationary or something. I'm not too sure people just use buy too much gold, but essentially you would want to tie like that real value to an off ramp somehow. If you could figure that out, that's probably you're probably right. You know, if you have a sticky game, it's just solving that one puzzle piece without ruining the economy. Right. Then maybe it's, it goes one way, right? right? Where you only can off ramp, but you can't actually on ramp the other way. You buy. And once someone gold. finds out yeah. the secret recipe to make this work, right? Correct. You know. Yeah. You'll have an entire generation of of, of real gamers, you know, being brought onto Web three, and these Correct. The people that's going to kickstart, I think, the next. Uh, run for for crypto because you know they will have money on chain they will want to do device yeah. you know at the same yeah. time they're on game file already so i think it's going to kickstart yeah. the whole thing and and i could be wrong but i don't see uh you know the value in in having like another hundred new layer ones for example <laughs> <laughs> right well that which so what you're telling me that eventually they would Converge, they would what uh, it would become only a handful of players then. Um, yes, one, I think or... it's happening. Right? So yeah, going back again, if you if you're talking about the entire drama that's happening or ensuing right now as well, um, you know you don't have to look far. Just look at Solana, for example. Right. So so yeah. Solana is yeah. on the balance sheet of of Amida. Mm. Yeah. So like many other companies as well, are slowly trying to unwind. There's so points, yeah. and, and apparently the chain like broke down again this week. Solana did. Yeah, but it's I guess not uncommon, not uncommon for Solana's network to go down. Well, it, yeah, it's there. I mean, that's a whole different conversation that yeah. goes pretty deep into it. So, like, uh, that, that that's their approach of solving. I think my point is that right? I think if it's going to be a layer one that's backed by, you know, like a hundred major VCs, it, it does not guarantee success, Correct. right? What guarantees success yeah. is you actually have real people to first yeah. build it, but you need then bigger 
group of people who actually want to be using applications uh, on the layer Correct. itself, right? And so, yeah. you know, yeah. these new layer ones may have builders right now, but yeah. then they don't have yeah. users for those applications. Yeah, it Correct. Well, essentially, that was a, a, a good, detailed, long-winded answer to what you guys will be looking to, which would be the gaming Web3 space. Uh, I guess in the future, we could come back and talk about you know, the opportunities in DeFi. That's, I think that's still very exciting because I think that's the, the most immediate part of market fit. Uh, gaming is also exciting because I guess in theory, that's like the foundation for metaverse and blah, blah, blah. Right? I think, so, I think, but that's, yeah, these things are so far, far away from it. So. Yep. There's yeah. there's definitely a lot more implications, right? Like like if you if you yeah. look at what happened in, in 2021, 2022, um, yes, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of money, very, very sad, right? But moving yeah. forward, you know, I think Web three is converging again with Web two. Um and and, mm. and, and I'll, I'll explain my thoughts around this, right? So if you look at how Web two companies are built, right? So you're talking about tech startups. For example, like Grab, um, yeah. Shopee, and, and how all these companies are built, right? Um, essentially, um, they they adopt um, the method of you know let's move fast, let's break things, right? Yeah, and it worked, right? And you see Web three people well, doing it as well. But yeah. the problem is when your protocol that that has a billion dollars sitting on it breaks, yeah, everyone gets fucked. And then it's the end of yeah, the company. That's true, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm not yeah. too sure if you could actually uh, adopt the same methods you know, for a Web3 company. And, and you definitely need a new breed of, of managers yeah. actually be running these Web3 companies. Because that's until true. now, if, if I understand correctly, when you look at all the top uh, blockchain-free projects, most of them are run by developers, right? And, and, mm, and we know that right. they are really good engineers. Right? They build really great products. But these guys, they want to continue to build great products and they don't want to manage the existing product, right? Yeah. Be it fixing bugs, for example. And, and this is creating yeah. a lot of issues, right? So, so that, that, is, mm-hmm. that is definitely one of the main issues I, I see in this space right now. Mm. Mm. I think the next part is government regulation or, or self-regulation yeah, argument, correct. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You think the government will believe the industry now moving forward? You know, when we say, hey, we're <laughs> going to self-regulate, right? right? <laughs> not, not anytime soon, at least. I mean, you can, you can um, go, you can beat around a bush and say that, hey, you know what? We have these uh, great guidelines, you know, like maybe the big ones, you know, the big exchanges they have, right? The bigger companies they have. Um, yeah. But the smaller ones, I mean... I mean, like, what do you do when a smaller company, you know, loses $50, $100 million to a hack, right? Yeah, 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 correct. And most of these things, you know, like, the reason these things happen is actually due to lack of, of, of self-regulation as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I, mean, I think yeah, self-regulation is a huge part, but also on a technological level, it's just not very robust yet, which just ties into many parts feeding into it right so right. it's like you said um june what would your final thoughts be on this whole current fiasco we're in and where, where does it lead or maybe you have any other sec is coming <laughs> <laughs> yeah well one as strong mentioned i think regulation is coming especially after what's happened um 
whether we like it or not um, within crypto, you know, it's all the, all the talk about decentralization and whatnot, but some, I, I do feel some form of regulation has to come in in order for the industry to move forward and for adoption to, yeah. to continue to grow. Um, but as of right now, I know a lot of sentiment and, and outlook on crypto is very grim, um, which is ex- as expected given what's happened, but um, maybe the money and capital inflow will, will sort of reduce from what we've seen over the last year or two, but looking at activity online and, you know, these projects talking about their thoughts on what ha- what's happened, a lot of them are still building, still pushing forward, still developing and, you know, building on and trying to improve the existing um, projects that they have or existing apps to, you know, still move forward. So I don't think the uh, activity in terms of development is going to stop, maybe slow yeah. a bit here and there, but it's, Industry will still, you know, recovering. But the SEC is still coming. <laughs> yes. No, but... let me just like there. There is one more point. Are, are they competent enough to come? There, there is one more point. So, um, okay. If, if you go back to news this week, right? So, is this case that is involves the SEC and this project called Library? I think Library was founded and Library was found, like many years ago so essentially library is a blockchain based uh, file sharing and payment network right mm. and they did yeah. um you know sell their tokens anyways to to investors and i think the judge ruled in the favor of sec and and now i think what's worrying everyone is that this actually has set perfect you know it's it's basically a perfect trojan horse horse for the, for the for the SEC to come and and start you know telling people that hey you know what this is a security this is not right mm. because until this case um it they, they failed to basically prove that hey you know what this is a security token this is not um because before all the arguments were like oh we we issued a, a utility token so it's not a security, and and so like it's yeah. it's really, uh, I think it's a it's quite a big news just that people, uh, were very embroiled in this whole FTX yeah, media drama. Fiasco. Yeah, but yeah. if this is the case, it means that in the future when the SEC brings you to court, they could literally charge you even though you didn't do an ICO, but you Series. have a token. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to change a lot of things, I think. And, and you know we'll have to wait and see, but I, I think fundraising, you know, and the issuing of your own tokens, you know, may have to take a different path, and maybe even to the path of decentralization, where no one uses centralized Correct. exchanges anymore because again they're too afraid. Yeah, well that that's the whole crazy part because the initial promise of like Bitcoin and the original cryptocurrencies was that you wouldn't be tied to regulation, right? But if if you're somehow getting tied in from some form of centralization you're right it's it, it's gonna it may be splintering right where you have this copacetic version of cryptocurrency but then you have the wild wild west kind i guess so it'll be interesting to see where that technology goes um so i guess in, in the future we, we can go back to talk more about DeFi. we look forward to your report we could always come back together to, to see what what you guys write about yes sir um yeah, and then uh, you guys are looking for deals in the game space in DeFi. You guys are doing what funding, investing, I guess, right? Yes. Um. So we're doing um angel rounds. Um. 
between 25 to 100k uh, per day, usually. Okay. And then if they want to reach out to you, how can they uh, reach out to you? They can for... reach out to you first. Okay. <laughs> you can reach out to me, guys. I'll, I'll throw up my, uh, my deets. I'll be the gatekeeper here. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk more, uh, you know, I think about what's going to happen um, the next four months. So I mentioned earlier that um, people are just beginning to unravel uh, to the full extent, you know, what is the actual damage uh, from, from mm. the fallout of FTX. Right? And yeah, I think the general sentiment is that, hey, you know what, it's going to take a couple of weeks. But I am starting to see people posting on LinkedIn, you know, like people who actually work in the crypto industry saying that, hey, this is going to yeah. set us back for two years. And potentially, we might be set back for two years. Meaning that, hey, you know what? We're talking about full recovery, maybe in 2025. Wow. What does that that exactly mean, though? So a lot of companies are going to go bust. That's the point. And and it it links back to the current situation that we we are seeing for tech as well, right? Uh, Meta laying off and and all these major companies are laying off. And you know what? While VCs may have been bullish about crypto, I think they're less so right now. Yeah. So they are not going to deploy as much as we thought that they might deploy as well. And they're going to be in the same camp, you know, as, as all these guys who are investing in, in, in Web2 companies and, and, and so on. Mm. And even like two public companies, for example. Um, so, yeah. well, you, you guys will be competing with a lot of new technologies, right? AI, hard tech robotics right. there's biotechnology there, there's a whole new class of alpha probably coming up and uh, i think blockchain is up there with them but i think you're right this set it could possibly guys set you guys back for a while but and at the same time though if it's a fundamental technology that's going to change the way the world is you this is the perfect time to dig in like if your gaming thesis is right or if your DeFi thesis is right if no one else is looking this is just like the perfect time where you know someone's gonna leave the lunch on the table, you guys take it, right? So I think that's the silver lining for anyone in the space. Right. Um, at least the, 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 you know, the small percentage of people who are actually really moving it forward, right? So, Yeah, we'll have to see. I think for, for the first time, um, you know, ever, these um, Web3 companies, you know, they're going to have to close down. I think many will have to close down uh, because, well, if- because many of them have, you know, or are close to the the end of the runway. You know, you know by this it, time next year. Yeah. Do you do you think it will be sub- more substantially worse than you actually think? Because if people say two years, like for example, nineteen nineties was a dot com bus, but how many cycles did we have to go through before we had this new wave of VC Web two, you know, SaaS, all this kind of stuff, uh, gig technology marketplaces, right? That took like what more than more than one or two decades to get to that point, right? Right. Or at least all the all the companies that we are, you know, the biggest valuations that I've PO'd were all probably started in the early two thousands, right? So and then and then only VC followed after that. Those companies started getting really big, right? So do do you guys see it potentially going even longer then? I think so. If if for example, let's say we get out from this crash unscathed right everyone is starting to feel um, better let's say a couple months from now from now and then the sec comes and say hey you know what we're gonna re- regulate the fuck out of you 
guess what yeah. happens, right? Every they will be going yeah. after a lot of big names, okay? Correct. Because now they they will do so, and and just look at how many people politicians right that were associated yeah. with SBS, how many politicians mm. he 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 actually donated to. Don't you think that they might Correct. be massively embarrassed by this incident? Yeah. And don't you think now they might be now very pro-regulation? Mm. But in the, in, the, in the exact opposite way, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, correct, okay, correct. we don't trust these kids to run the show. Let the old farts yeah. run the show, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think if that comes, it's going to set the industry back by more than two years even. Mm. So, so what does that mean for you guys then? Do you, is this a golden opportunity or does it even mean even slower then? I think it's a golden opportunity if you are DeFi. Uh, anything that is decentralized will probably grow. You know, we were actually quite amazed because we actually are following quite a few um, decentralized finance projects that are dabbling in uh, futures, etc. And we were surprised at how fast they were growing, right, Jude? Yeah. 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 So you can actually do a lot already and you don't need to have your money on these exchanges as we speak. And I think... If your listeners, you know, are smart, they might need to start moving some of the, you know, crypto if they have um, into into these uh, wallets, decentralized wallets. You know, yeah, sure, you have mm. to remember your seed phrase. You know, keep it under your your pillow or something. But <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, I think yeah, people have to be okay um, managing their own money, holding on to their own yeah. money. Correct. Right. Being responsible for their own money, understanding the risks involved with it. Right. And I think this is where the divergence will start to occur. You know, like after today, you know, you're talking about the third largest exchange in the world that just went bust. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if you are a, a crypto, uh, you know, native, you'll be like, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm going to be done, you know, with all these centralized exchanges. I'm going to withdraw everything. Yeah. Because yeah, what advantage sure. do you have, you know, like keeping your money on the exchange? I mean, a lot of it has blown up, right? The, they right. can't provide the yields anymore. Yep. The, the asset class is not stable. So It used to be and, that when you have the money on the exchange, it's easy <laughs> for you to trade. But now that you Correct. can do the same things on chain without the same risk, and in fact, you're getting rewarded doing so as well. Like usually you pay low yeah. fees and you may get like some tokens in like as cashback, I think, yeah, you definitely will have, um, you know, to see the possibility of these um, decentralized finance platforms actually booming as a result. I see what you mean. So essentially what you're talking about is that this provides an opportunity for the original intent of the technology to start to really bloom, yep, right? right? And as long as you dig in and start <laughs> trying to find the value and build from there in those areas. And I think you, like you said, you actually are seeing it happen. So that, that is actually a promising sign, despite the volatilities, despite all that, there are actual golden nuggets that can grow even bigger, but you have to really probably do the homework and do the hard work of like really right. sifting through the mud and the shit. And there's probably more shit than gold, right? So, and, that, and, that's, and I think that's to expand do. on that further, if you're not a crypto uh, native, uh, you probably leave this space after losing everything mm. on FTX. So there will be a huge divergence, I think, 
like you may know of crypto but you are anti-crypto you're not going to yeah. touch it anymore after this or you're going to go to the extreme um you know um and just say i'm not going to touch any of these centralized exchanges i live completely in the ether i'm going to be in the shadows lurking right yeah yeah and maybe sometimes well, the way i <laughs> yeah I mean, the way, the way I've approached it was from, from a business standpoint, right? Like any, any Web3 company that has something that can make material money at least and try to do it through early stage investing, not by actually holding coins or actually trading, right? So kind of the way you approach looking for actual business opportunities. But then again, that's also a specialty in itself. And the average person is not going to be an early stage investor either. But right? then so again, to invest in these uh, platforms that operate on, uh, you know, I mean, it's not going to be a company that's going to be registered, say, in the Cayman Islands or in Singapore or anything, right? Correct. It's going to be something yeah. that someone is building and needs to fundraise. Um, yeah. And it's going to set up a Discord, a chat, and say, hey, you know what? You guys join here <laughs> hey, and, bro. and let's talk about fundraising. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's going to be like, I think it's going to be like this, you know, moving forward. And the question is, how do you, regu how do you regulate and can you regulate, right? And I think That's, I think it's not yeah. possible to regulate this part of the industry. Correct. And Correct. so you're just pushing them deep into the rabbit hole. On the other hand, yeah. if you are halfway through the rabbit hole, you would have got out. Yes, correct. I see what you mean. So I think there's, it's going to create like a huge disparity in the future. Like you're going to have really, really secretly rich people in crypto that no one knows. Yeah. And then you're going to have people that really hate. I think like, the battle will, will, will continue. And, and I think eventually centralized exchanges would just like go shop. Wow. Interesting. Interesting thesis. Cause I mean, that's a pretty crazy kind of line of thought because if it splinters and if there's enough substantial liquidity in the splinter, but if you split it too far off, how will you ever, I guess in theory, there has to be enough add value in the real world where people have to accept crypto then as a norm. If <laughs> not, then there's no way for you to transfer back to fiat, which is a big problem then. Right. And there's going to be a big, fight between a shadow institution versus i guess you could say old old world institutions right right kind of what yeah, was built right from you but know, you don't really need a centralized exchange to convert the fiat these days yeah yes but I, oh, I think so you don't because what you could do is you could convert it into a, a stable coin you know whatever coin you have you go on yeah. to uh, uniswap for example and then you swap for a stable mm. coin um, and see. then you could spend it you could even use it to invest uh, into companies because they accept I it. See. Yeah. Um, so I think so, that's interesting. So the only way, and so the only yeah. way you could prevent that then is to attack the those kind of mechanisms right. like the Uniswaps and all those guys, right? So, yeah. but is that possible at all or no? Pro probably Hack. looking to control the stable coins as well. Yeah. The the issuance of CBDCs, for example. Yeah. yeah. Central bank backed digital currencies. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, okay, yeah. yes. Okay. But yeah. You know, I think this is the assumption, right? Like government wants to have control, but maybe they don't. Maybe they just want to tax everything. Right? By introducing <laughs> the C B D C. So they don't care. You know, like, okay, you you live in the dark in the ether, right? But you convert it to to our C B D C, you know, you pay a tax and then you can spend it, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would be the ideal situation where both institutions can win then, right? Right. So you could raise your money, you could make a real business on, in the shadows, supposed shadows, and then you could transfer it back to, on, 
to an acceptable form of altered fiat chain, I guess, right. <laughs> where that where it can be, uh, like you said, ultimately they need to survive as an institution, so they need to be taxed. And for them, it's ideal too, because every every single digital currency can be traced to any transaction, right? So it's like ultimate control. So that's interesting. Whew. I don't know, man. But it's scary, <laughs> right? If you think about it. Um, yeah, you know, scary. I, yeah. I wasn't very big brother like. I wasn't really, um, you know, thinking about the repercussions of, of this, you know, FTX's implosion before. But, you know, because my take has always been if it doesn't break, don't, don't try and fix it, right? So in, in this case, because <laughs> yeah. FTX was serving so many more millions of people and it worked, right? Yeah. Why change? Why would anyone want to use more of Uniswap? Why would anyone want to use more of decentralized stable coins, for example? Yeah. Yeah. You have DAI yeah. and, all, and all those other stable coins. And now people have a reason too, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's... No, no one really thinks about the risks until the risks, you know, rare's ugly head and then everyone's affected. So um, that I think that's always hard to account for because it's, it's always hindsight 2020. Um, but like you said, I think it, it goes for very interesting dynamics now where it gives a chance for the real decentralized technologies to take off. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But then on that, it's just obviously when this sort of transition happens, the security aspect of DeFi has to improve. Um, I mean, over the yeah. year, we've seen like numerous hacks, right? And that's going to be... So many. So much Yeah, money. Yeah. So it's, it's yes, that's the centralized exchange of FTX going down does make the case for DeFi stronger, but at the same time, um, fundamentally, the security aspect of things, I think, is a main, a, a big thing that has to be addressed. No. Yeah. And, and, and the main bottleneck to that is the number of actual real tech talent that can yeah. actually build that to happen and then also the use case of people having a real value to use it. So it's it, those are those are massive hurdles in hindsight, right? It's just not, and also like the language and just all the technologies, it, there's like one main language only, right? But for web two, there's dozens and dozens or hundreds of languages you could probably use right. and, and deploy and make it work in web two, right? So there's, it's still very far from where anything probably needs to be. Real, realistically speaking, you know, it's just very early still, so. Right. But if I might also add, uh, it's only those VC-funded protocols that got hacked mostly. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the real tech guys, right? <laughs> right. I mean, well, it, the money, the money, right? It it's fuel, and it fuels things that are not fully secure or ready to, and at scale. I mean, the point, it exposes the itself, point I was right? trying to get at is, you know, I'm. Do not be surprised if. The VCs with big money not be able to catch the upside of crypto, like the real upside. Oh, I see. oh that's an interesting right? Because that's they think that upside. when they throw in massive amounts of money into this space, that they will be successful. In fact, the money just went to the drain, went to the hacker, right? So when they built all these yeah. bridges, when they built all these layer ones that got hacked and they had to pause, yeah. you know, um, you have all these issues. You know, it's mostly because I, it's funded think, by VCs. Yeah. I think it's also a new class of VC, right? So if you think about how Silicon Valley was born, essentially, you know, from the treacherous eight, then you get the, the grandfather, Don Valentine. This guy is exceptionally a different human being, different thinker all around. 
right? He's not like one of these Ivy League kind of guys that came up with pedigree kind of things. But what transformed into like from that was after you get so much money success, those types of people get attracted to the industry. Then you get the iBanker types, the consultant types coming in, the people who only come from pedigree and success, right? So those types of people were the ones fueling the application layer of investing for the past few decades we've been seeing. And that is kind of like their, you know, that's their blind spot. Like, they, you know, they, they are investing in the same way in applications when it should be a, um, you know, infrastructure type play and kind of deployed at a different pace and a different scale. And only in the few people who actually can build it, like the Cisco's or the early guys who actually built Internet. Right. So that's it's I think there's just a, a disconnect where they might have to rejigger the talent that needed to make the investment successful in the space. Right. So that's what I would say. So TLDR for me, I think um, market has temporarily bottomed for now. Sentiments have. So I'm still saying the same thing. Um, regulations are coming. Um, but then again, they've been saying it since, you know, 2013. <laughs> no. So let's see if it's successful. But uh, my money is on DeFi. Um, I think after this, you know, centralized exchange fuck i think more and more people are moving to DeFi, but those who are just capable of doing it themselves um they're going to be left out from the game um that's is in the traditional industry right like if you don't yeah. know how to invest into stocks you're going to be left out yeah and and i think yeah although we want to be like all inclusive in crypto i think it's created class divide um, pretty soon. interesting well i mean i learned a ton thank thank you so much for walking me through that uh, i have a much better understanding and grasp of, of what happened before where where's going and then um so uh you know thank you for spending your friday night and walking through all those topics and then i think uh we definitely look forward to you know your report and any future topics like on DeFi or game web 3 companies you come across in the future so thanks so much guys Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye, bye guys. guys.